how do we get our customers to leverage this great tech in a way that is authentic and true to our value pro proposition and our reputation of being easy to use, customer first, really trying to solve customer problems. And so we, we uh, launched this uh, integration platform called Stack, um, which is really uh, our, our desire is to build a very robust platform that brings on a bunch of different great uh, partners and allow our customers to leverage their tools how they need to so they can build their own tech stack to solve their business problems. I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. Welcome to another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast. I'm your show host, Jordan Muela, and today I'm interviewing Matthew Kotitz from Appfolio. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me here. We actually just saw each other roughly a week ago at the Appfolio User Summit. There was some exciting stuff to announce around an integration, but we're really here to talk a little bit about the big picture ecosystem of what's going on in residential property management. And it's a lot. There's a lot of movement. I've been in this space for a decade plus, And within the last year, there's probably been as much movement as there were for the previous three or four years. Before we get into all of that, I want to talk a little bit about your background. What is your background specifically with property management? And how did you um, become a part of Appfolio? Yeah, good question. So um, back in 2006, I was graduating college looking for something to do, and I decided to start a property management company. Um, we had some friends that were developing property down in Mexico, and they were looking for someone to turn it over to, and I wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, really, and real estate was hot, 2006, right, you know, right at the peak. And so I uh, told them, hey, let me go try to run your properties and went down there, started a business. This was long-term, short-term? This was both long-term, short-term, and community association. Oh, glad so, for punishment. Yeah. <laughs> All three of those, I uh, got into it with a long-term uh, community association agreement with a couple short-term rentals that were within it and kind of built the business in the Rosarito area. Awesome. So then how did that parlay into working with Upfolio? Yeah. So did that for seven years. I ended up selling the company after five years to a big outfit out of Texas, Associa. They do community management across mm. the United States, big player in that space. And Brian then, Corona and company, right? Uh, yeah, John Corona. John Corona, right. And I did the deal with his son, Joey. Mm, so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, big, good outfit. Stayed, stayed on for two years, but I was really looking to get in back into technology. I had studied computer science in my undergrad and uh, really enjoyed computer science, but didn't want to sit behind a computer all the time and wanted to start business. So uh, did the property management thing, loved growing the business, got it to about as good as I thought I could get it for the market without you know quite a bit of effort to keep growing it successfully. And then moved on uh, to look for a tech company job. Um, I found out Folio and I thought, you know, when I got I got a phone call from John Walker, the the founder. This was back when we were under 200 people, and, and 
he t- pitched me on the company and I thought to myself, there's no way I'm working for a software company in property management. Too close but to home. It, it, I knew the industry, right? And I wanted something different. I was looking to explore different business type ideas. And anyways, I came up, got a tour and just fell in love with the company, the culture, the leadership team. Um, they were really doing things right from my perspective. And what I wanted more than anything was to be at a place where I could learn. And so here I am uh, almost 10 years later with still with that folio, uh, learning quite a bit every day. Are you technical? I have a technical skill set, but my job is not technical. So, so what did you, where did you start like career wise? Where, yeah. where did you move through the company? Yeah. So I started in onboarding. So I worked with new customers coming onto our platform um, and probably myself onboarded a couple hundred customers back in 2013 through 2016. I also led our West Coast onboarding team. So worked with a group of onboarding managers to help all new customers get into the software. Gave me a great opportunity to learn the softwares that existed at that time, which largely are still here today, and and get to see all different types of property managers, from the single family fee manager to the multifamily uh, owner operator, a community association manager across the board. Um, really got to experience quite a bit of the property management world ecosystem and tech. Um, but I was looking for more um, than just onboarding. I wanted to be part of the strategic uh, side of the business. And an opportunity came up for me to join uh, and lead a some of our value-added services. So we call, that's an internal term, but things like tenant screening, um, websites, our Lisa product, um, those are things we sell to people who are already customers. And I got an opportunity to come in and take over a acquisition that we had made, RentLinks, and figure out what to do with it. And that interacted with a product called Premium Leads and figure out that business and set up a strategy. And from there, I got a few more products like tenant screening under my management um, and did both operational and product strategy directional things. And um, really enjoyed myself there. Uh, got to really understand those businesses very well. Um, and then recently, well, not super recently, but about a year and nine months ago, an uh, opportunity came up to take over really single family product. So lead our product ec- efforts for the single family um, and operator. How, how big of a focus is single family relative to the other verticals for Appfolio? So, I mean, I would say single family is our bread and butter. It's where we got our start. It's really the community that helped us become a great platform to, to begin with. And the majority of our customers still to this day are single family and what I like to call boutique multifamily. So, so those multifamilies that you don't really have on-site management for. And we still have quite a bit of product effort on that customer base. It's a growing segment and we still grow that segment as a company quite quite aggressively. So the majority so, of the units on the platform are still are single family. Uh single family and boutique multifamily. Collectively, got Correct. it. So residential more broadly. Residential, yeah. Let's kind of take a tour through mm-hmm. the different eras and the epochs of the company. Ultimately, I want to get to today and really I want to I want to hone in on the last five years and the the reputation and the sensibilities of the company leading up to this most recent marketplace announcement. But take me back to the early days, the time frame that you mentioned 
2011, 2012, 2013. I think it's fair to say that looking back, Appfolio was really crushing and in a serious groove at that point. There was some serious market expansion that necessarily displaced some other vendors. There was somebody before that that presumably was more embedded. Appfolio comes on the market and really becomes over, let's say, a 10-year period, the dominant vendor in the category. If you look back to kind of the seedbed what was it that led to that that streak of unprecedented growth? Yeah, I mean, it comes back to timing and and our founders had quite a clear perspective on technology waves. So SaaS software was not a thing early on, or early 2010. It, it wasn't as big as it is today where every single system is on software as a service. So it was not primarily ports then? People were, what were people transitioning from in the early days? Early days, they were transitioning from on-prem systems as well as QuickBooks. Can you give me some names of some of those on-prem On-prem systems. So you had your Yardi Genesis, you had uh, like a Tenant Pro, um, Promos was on-prem at that time. Mm. Some of these older put a CD-ROM in the server room type of, type of experiences really where property management software had been for quite some time. And we came out with, you know, property management software in the cloud. And one of our early hurdles was just convincing people that they didn't need a CD to put in their server, right? They they could log in and security was an issue. You know, people were migrating their software to the internet, different way of paying for it, as opposed to, you know, thousands of dollars upfront in licensing, they're paying a monthly subscription fee, very different back then. And Appfolio was built on from day one with that in mind. And so a lot of the, the uh, older systems, they either needed to rewrite their software or build a cloud type offering on top of what they already had. And so we had a tremendous leverage because we built from that mindset from day one. And we got quite a bit of traction. I think one of the things that really accelerated our ability to grow was tenant payments. So, you know, back in the early 2000s, everyone was collecting rent in their office. Rent week was hard. Um, you, I've talked to customers that hadn't gone on vacation for 25 years because mm-hmm. uh, rent week was hard. You had to go from rent week to paying your management fees, to paying your vendors, to paying out owners, all through paper checks, very paper heavy process. Lots of people in your office asking you hundreds of questions, trying to get your job done. Coming out with tenant payments was really possible because of cloud computing. We could give tenants a portal and let them pay rent online. And that gave people a whole week of their life back um, early on. And so tremendous amount of growth because of that. I think the other technology trend that we realized was mobile was gonna be a big deal. And so we went all in on mobile pretty early on and really tried to build the application to be mobile friendly. You can see it on your iPhone, wherever you're at, and you have the same functionality as your desktop computer. You know, Obviously, you're probably not gonna wanna look at a complicated report on your iPhone, but you can if you need to. Um, and so that's all built into the app. And, and that got us a lot of our early success um, in this space. So you wrote a number of 
waves that were happening at a macro level that were bigger than just Appfolio. This reminds me of Jason Lemkin, the founder of EchoSign, commenting about a competitor that had come along five or six years later and that competitor making the claim that, hey, guys, we have a much more modern tech stack. They're old. They're antiquated. Mm -hmm. And him simultaneously pointing out, number one, it was true. Number two, it was not earned. It was simply inherited by virtue mm -hmm. of the fact that if you show up six years later, the the default tech stack, nobody here, you know, you, you do you have a CS degree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the beauty of getting a CS degree is that you're down close enough to the metal that you can begin to comprehend how it is that technology is actually built at the root level. But the majority of frontline technologists, certainly the developers that I'm hiring, they're using frameworks that somebody else built. They're mm -hmm. off the shelf, off the shelf tools. And in the same way, those frameworks evolve over time. So by showing up five years later, you just have better tools because that's the market, what the market gave you. If you think about some of the uh, innovation that started with Appfolio, let's fast forward to the more recent time frame. What sticks out in your mind more recently as something that you were really personally proud of that you felt like you were able to have some influence influence over and that was significant in terms of its impact for customers? Yeah, so you know that probably leads us right into the integration platform we launched uh, a few months ago and then recently launched and announced partnership with a bunch more people like like you all over there at Lead Simple. Um, that that uh, platform is is definitely like if you kind of look at the landscape today um, of prop tech investment, there there is a lot of investment dollars, venture capital, private equity dollars going into tech for prop tech, right? And and so because of all that, you were seeing quite a bit of what what I would call like. Um, point solutions or solutions solving a specific problem, not necessarily like a full platform accounting system, but solving a specific problem. And they're creating great products. And this has been speeding up quite a bit over the last handful of years. And so what we've realized is we really need to think about <clears throat> um, how do we get our customers to leverage this great tech in a way that is authentic and true to our value pro proposition and our reputation of being easy to use, customer first, really trying to solve customer problems. And so we we uh, launched this uh, integration platform called Stack, um, which is really uh, our, our desire is to build a very robust platform that brings on a bunch of different great uh, partners. and allow our customers to leverage their tools how they need to so they can build their own tech stack to solve their business problems. Now, folks are hearing about these integrations and it's simultaneously excitement, enthusiasm, and there's also some market sentiment of, where was this two years ago? Where was this three years ago? Why now? If you're speaking to folks that are wondering why Appfolio allowed this pent up frustration from the absence of this, from what felt fairly obvious, let's be real, APIs are not new. That's, sure. not, that's not some sure. crazy innovation. In fact, it's table stakes right now. There was some significant lag in Appfolio's adoption of it. Appfolio was following what we would call broadly in the industry, a walled garden approach. So this is a big, significant sea change. Please regale us with some of the story 
of why now and what is emblematic of Appfolio's sincere commitment to this after such uh, long and stiff historical resistance? Yeah, so um, we hear often in the marketplace how people want to be integrated and at the same time how frustrating their experiences with other softwares and integrations. We hear that even today, the the frustration that customers go through where they feel like they're pinned between two different software vendors and they're not getting their needs met. That was something that um, we didn't want to give that experience to our customers. Um, it, and, and we also knew that we're good at building technology. I think what it came down to is we can't simply build technology as fast as the marketplace because of the amount of investment dollars. And that trend is only going to speed up. Um, having, having a closed ecosystem affords us the ability to control the user experience more tightly. Um, but it also doesn't allow people to engage with the whole entire ecosystem. So uh, the adjustment was really you know, realizing where the trend is going, where the ball's moving, and making sure that we can build a thoughtful strategy that's focused on the customer and brings in uh, an ecosystem of vendors so that customers actually get their problems solved as opposed to, you know, are integrated with whatever technologies out there. Obviously, um, you know, we're going to have an approach that is going to allow multiple vendors and specific segments to come on and provide services uh, for, for our customers, but we're going to make sure those integrations are high quality and really solving customer needs. So obviously there's a lot of significant QA. We have an integration. It wasn't a web form I filled out. It was a series of conversations, a lot of QA going throughout the process. And I'm sure the market can see and appreciate that. And it's consistent with Appfolio's broader commitment to wanting to control, manage, and QA the experience. But let me ask the question again, why did it take so long? Just to be super direct, why did it take so long? Yeah, I, you know, um, it, it's it's a good question. I You know, I, I don't know if I can answer it in a more like clear way. Than, a fully satisfying. Like, I, I don't know if I can answer it in a fully satisfying way. I, I get the sentiment is like, you guys should have done this a long time ago. ago. And, and I just can say like, it was a big decision for us to make this change. Um, and we wanted to make sure we got it right. Um, we have a good customer base and we want to make sure that we're making the right investments that make their businesses move forward. And you know, while, while a lot of people absolutely needed this a couple of years ago, there's a lot of people that would rather us build a specific thing for them. And so you know, as a product person, we're always trying to prioritize investments, right? What's best for the customer in a way that works for, for our business. And it, it became very clear, um, you know, when we started building this, this was the right call. Before that, it, it just wasn't as clear. One thing that's interesting for me and some sympathy and some perspective, some empathetic perspective I gained was going to the user summit and seeing the degree to which there were people on the ground that were so bought into the all-in premise. Mm -hmm. You and I were on a panel, panel ends, walk down the steps and some people come up to ask us a question. The question was effectively... I'm confused. 
Appfolio has internal products that do XYZ. And here are three people on the panel. In this case, it was Lead Simple, Show Mojo, and Property Meld that now do the same thing as the internal product that I was considering using. And I'm confused. And what I took away from that. Obviously, there's education in the market. Obviously, you guys have your work cut out for you to communicate this repositioning. And I think with time, that will inevitably, you guys will figure that out. But the reason that it was significant to me was because I got to hear from somebody that had really bought into the idea of the walled garden, mm -hmm. the all-in-one, one login. It was helpful to me to recalibrate around just how compelling that was to a subset of people. And obviously, these are the people that are showing up to the user summit. Right. These are the people that are being vocal. These are the people that want to do user interviews with product people on your end. So I can see a level of, of affirmation and encouragement of the premise that may not be obvious to, to everybody else looking from the outside. At the same time, there's got to be folks wondering, is this serious? Is this for real? Are you all in? Is this going to get yanked? How would you describe and explain to the market the level of commitment that Appfolio has to really leaning into this as opposed to this just being kind of a, a side vestigial organ? Right. So, I mean, this was our number one strategic initiative to get this out the door this year. Um, it's got quite a bit of investment behind it from the top down, right? Like this wasn't just a decision that people at my level making some product decisions made, you know, this is a decision that we really thought carefully as a company and decided, no, we're going to do this and we're going to do it really well, the same way we've done everything that we put our two feet in and commit to really well. So yeah, the, the, I'm really excited about this platform because it's, it, it's going to be, it, it's already being done and it's going to continue to be done really well. I, a, a quick aside, like, um, what what I love about this is being able to sit down with partners like like you and, and others and really think through customer problems together. Um, I think that's something that's missing in the prop tech space, right? The the platform systems are like, here are documented APIs, go write to them, vendors, mm -hmm. figure it out, have fun. You, you know, we're we're taking a little bit different approach, um, making sure that. You know, we have documented APIs, obviously, but there's more that users want and need. And we want to work with our partners on this to make sure we're building out the right set to solve customer problems. It's use case driven. It's use case that driven. That was our experience. It was right. very heavily use case driven from people that on the other side really understood the use case. Right. So if folks are, are asking that question about the durability, they're probably wondering about uh, if folks are asking the question about the commitment to stack and the marketplace. They're probably also wondering about the commitment to to the vertical. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing having conversations with top brass over at Appfolio is that the organization is recommitting itself to single family. There have been some gaps. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. Sure. I think I can communicate on behalf of the market in some ways that there was a sense that Appfolio, as Appfolio pursued other verticals, including upmarket, multifamily, HOA, whatever, for, for good reasons. And obviously the constituency here is mixed use. And so they do benefit from these additional product lines. But in terms of Appfolio's felt presence tangibly in the market, it's felt like there has been, it has not been the same, let's just put it this way. It hasn't been the same as it was in the heyday of 13, 14, 15, when Appfolio was really on the come up. Does Stack coming out, does that release 
indicative of any changing and shifting priorities in terms of the presence specifically in the third party single family residential segment? Yeah. So, you know, when we released Stack, we released it uh, for the first time at NAA Apartmentalized, right? Which is a big multifamily. Um, and if you looked at the vendors, the only vendor that's that's probably more in the single family crowd would be Property Melt. Mm -hmm. And um, we did that. The, you know, the event happens earlier in the year, so there's a little bit of strategy there about releasing something with the set of vendors that makes sense for the event you're releasing it mm -hmm. out, right? But you know, just recently at customer conference and, and now here at NARPM, we get to talk about Lead Simple and Show Mojo and Pet Screening and others that are more part of this you know single family boutique multifamily ecosystem. So we're we're building this in a way where we're going to use it as we go up market, but we're also going to have plenty of emphasis on our roots in single family and you know outside of integrations it's not just that if you if you're you know at, at the conference you probably saw a couple of our product releases but some of them have huge leverage for the single family audience like like our our bank feed uploader allowing bank transactions to go in i i know that's a big one in in this space report builder applies to both uh these types of spaces so um absolutely like very committed to building the right products for this customer space and, and and you know that's my job right to get the organization um pointed the right direction not only how we communicate but also making sure our investment dollars are uh, allocated appropriately so plugging the hole and addressing the issue with the open ecosystem has obviously been a, a significant pushback into the market. Let's talk about some of the other components of connection with the bar with the market. Another one is customer support. Mm -hmm. Customer support is huge. And it's interesting, as another software vendor, I want to communicate that there is a fine line between very straightforward support how do I use the product as it was intended for the very straightforward features versus how do I, let's say in, in the case of Lead Simple, how do I how do I re-architect a lease renewal? How do you make a lease renewal process great? Mm -hmm. How do you dial in in a way that's really gonna dial down your DLER and increase customer satisfaction? That's consulting. Right. When you cross that line, now you're talking about professional services. It's a different set of expectations. And there are world-class vendors that we both know that can come in and address those types of issues in a consulting project-based format. Mm -hmm. It's different when you're calling in support and asking those questions. How does that folio think about the nuance and the difference there? And what feedback and encouragement do you have for the market in terms of how you guys are thinking about your customer support function and experience and specifically addressing some folks that may be more critical, maybe some folks that have moved to other platforms or maybe folks that have an idea in their head that Appfolio isn't going to get on the phone, et cetera. The reality is people have those perceptions about every single vendor, including my own. But if you were going to address in the most charitable way so a critic with that kind of feedback, what would you say? So, so first I'll just say that like, we're, we're committed to providing a great support experience. And, and I myself have 
absolutely heard in the market um, some negative negative sentiment around our ability to execute on that in the last couple of years. And to be totally honest, there's some truth to that. Um, and we're committed to moving that around. We were making some investments in really trying to streamline and, and make the user experience as they're trying to access support tools, whether it be self-support tools, which, you know, if you can get your answer really quick with a quick little article, that's way better than even needing to pick up the phone and talking to someone, right? But but that extends into when you do have a heart issue and you need to talk to someone, you need to talk to the person that has the answer. So we have a lot of smart people making sure that we're able to understand the nature of the question and then get that question to the person that actually can answer is is a little bit more challenging of a problem to solve at the scale that we're at than it used to be, but there's really good technology in the marketplace that we're gonna leverage to continue to make strides and improvements there. Having said that, I've been on the support side supporting migrations, right? And there is a very gray line between supporting our software and being someone's accountant. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you firsthand, there are customers I would have never gotten onto our product without being their accountant. <laughs> and, and that just like needed to happen. Now, are, are, are we accountants at Appfolio? Like as a group? No, we're software providers, right? We're building software. And obviously we have to know a lot about accounting to build great accounting software, but um, it, it's important to, to for the industry, in my opinion, to have a clear like set of, consultants or providers that they're working with if there's skill gaps. Um, you know, not everyone in property management is strong with accounting. That's fine. People can have huge companies and not be great accountants, but you do need to make sure you either have that on staff or outsource mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. to have a good offering to the market. And you know, Appfolio is going to continue to commit to supporting customers, but we can't always, you know, reconcile your trust count account for the last two years every single for every, every single month now we can definitely tell you how our software works and where to go and what to look at but um, that that model um, is a support model and and absolutely like there are some really good vendors that have emerged in this marketplace to provide great consulting services free market in action totally and we we love that they exist and we need more of them because it in reality, the market needs more of them. It's an important thing. What is the service offering? For I, I don't actually know. What is the SLA? What is the service offering for support? If I'm an Appfolio user, can I call someone? Is it are things directed towards tickets and emails? What does that actually look like? Yeah, yeah. So most of our support traffic during business hour comes in through a chat, and the person handling the chat will be able to um, either triage and solve the problem in real time via chat or if they can't they will schedule time after the fact you can also call in um but we we have a tighter response on chat right now um meaning you can you know sign in and within a few minutes you can be able to get into the chat experience sometimes chat's not the right modality to solve a problem we get that right um and then we just work with the agent on the chat to schedule time to get 
the answer solved uh, when you do need to do more of a back and forth screen share or whatever. So we have all of that available to all of our customers. How would you articulate to the market the differentiation in positioning of Appfolio versus other vendors? Not looking for any, you know, don't need to diss any other vendors, but everybody's looking for differentiation and consumers don't always have clear buying criteria. Mm -hmm. The buying criteria is fuzzy. How do you stack rank it? What's most important? From your vantage point, how would you set the buying criteria universally. I'm, I'm just going to guess it's going to map well towards grading out folio. But if you're do, <laughs> doing your best to be objective, how would you stack rank the buying criteria? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because uh, I, I don't know if it stack ranks perfectly against that folio, um, to, to be quite honest. I, I would kind of look at like, what are the biggest business problems you're looking to solve, right? And And then from there, who's working with you through a sales cycle to figure out those problems and offer solution, solutions that make sense. So you know, if you're very small and you're not looking to grow, there's a whole suite of software out there that might be more basic, easier to use than a full property management system, right? Um, if you're getting started and looking to rapidly grow, you're probably looking for something that's gonna take you to a certain like unit count threshold, mm -hmm. or, or maybe um, you're interested in different property types, right? Every market can be different. I know property managers that look to grow by adding new markets. I know that the property managers that look to grow by adding new types of assets that they put under management. Um, I think you're, you really have to have a clear sense of where your business is today and where you want it to go before you can even start evaluating software. Um, and then you have to make sure you have the right talent in, in your business to leverage the software that you're buying. Um, you know, Appfolio is a great small business product, but it's not for every single customer that exists. Some people need something much simpler some people want something way more complicated. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say, you know, we're very easy to use, very robust, powerful system where you can get a lot of the jobs you want done. And, and now you can integrate with some great vendors out there that don't do everything that, that we don't solve all of the needs, right? Like uh, you going back to that conversation that we were part of at, at our customer conference, you, we're going to continue to invest in some of these key workflows that are competitor that we have competition in um but from people on our integration platform right the we'll continue to have investment but there's always going to be differentiation in those product offerings and one's going to fit for a certain type of customer and another's going to fit for another and so i i um i i always go back to like what are the problems you're trying to solve um and if you're at Folio, if you're thinking about at Folio, I think some of the problems we solve well is you can put multiple different types of assets in one platform. I, I think that's really powerful. Walk us through that. Just give us the update. Yeah. Well, like single family, multifamily, community association. We're we're uh, have a beta going of short term rentals, um, which is another big one. Um, and we'll continue to grow our offerings and different types of properties, uh, types of properties that we'll manage over time. Having all of that in one platform, there's a lot of leverage to that. Um, we, yeah, we also manage commercial buildings uh, under ours. But you know, if you are 
really niche and only do 100% commercial and are totally gigantic, like maybe we're not the best because there's a more specific commercial offering out there, potentially. Um, you, you really, as a business owner, have to really understand what are you trying to do? What are the problems you're trying to solve? And does this vendor match where I'm trying to go? It's interesting to me watching the locus of control within the industry shift a bit in the sense that I would say that now there more or less is an arms race on who can have the best, most complete marketplace. And the person who has that advantage will def by definition attract further investment. The person who has the most apps is likely to get more. The person who has the greatest quality and depth is likely to get more. Aggregation theory, as it may be referred mm -hmm. to in certain places. As you think about what that competition looks like, you guys have, have made a pretty significant bet in what I would say a more laissez-faire, free market approach. How do you feel? How do you feel about what you guys are doing to stay competitive, specifically with Stack? And how does it feel to be in a situation where the there's a new surface area of competition? I think that's what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. PMS versus PMS. There's a new playing field and surface area of competition. How do you see that playing out? Yeah. So I mean, I really view this as an opportunity to have best in class integrations. I don't think Outfolio is going to have integration with every single person that has, you know, three person software company that exists. That's just not the direction we're going to go. We're going to be more for going all in with um, as many real players out there in the market as we can. And by real players, I mean people with tech that is being adopted by the industry and have some traction. Um, I, those types of real software vendors, there's a lot of hobbyists out there is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And and we wanna have a curated list of the, the types of integrations that provide real value to mutual customers. And, and, and that to me snowballs into good customer sentiment, not only for us, but for someone like Lead Simple, for example. So if you can provide more robust value on our platform for your customers than someone else's, to me, that's strategic advantage that, that we have as, as a property management platform system that has an integration platform. So um, I think we'll just continue to invest in, in this platform and, and build out robust integrations that are high quality. When you articulated previously that the investment in the space outstripped what Appfolio was able to execute on as an organization that is um, both progressive relative to the previous stance and also fairly common sense. There is so much money coming into prop tech right mm -hmm. now. What do you see out there that's that's interesting in the space? And do you think that that pace of investment is likely to change at all as the economic headwinds are shifting? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, I'll answer the pace of investment part first. So I don't, I don't know, and I would suspect maybe not. Um, you didn't see prop tech slow down that much recent, even recently mm -hmm. in terms of investment. And I think the investors know that it's a relatively stable asset class, um, meaning it's built on as on a meaning, relatively right, stable the, the asset customer, class. The customers that are, are 
paying for software mm -hmm. actually have recurring revenue that probably doesn't go anywhere anytime quick, right? It's not like construction or even transactional real estate, which can go up and down quite aggressively. Um, you know, we're, we're a SaaS business built on top of, not, not a SaaS business, but a recurring revenue business. So it's relatively stable. And there's a housing shortage in America um, that probably means rents aren't going to collapse anytime soon. There's a lot of trends that give uh, tailwinds to to this industry. So I would suspect if it slows, it's going to slow in a growth rate, not overall growth. M maybe it doesn't continue to like fly up. Um, potentially, uh, it just keeps a little bit more of a linear growth path. So that's my sense on where PropTech is going. And, and I think we're just macro level in a trend of technology, a lot of technology being invested in um, overall. I, I mean, look at the different ways you can do word processing today compared to 10 years ago when you were on Microsoft Word, right? Now there's Google Docs and Coda and like all these different types of word processing or just like documentation uh, technologies that exist. It's overwhelming for me who sees myself as a technologist to even keep up with all of the technology that exists in the, in the market today. So in general, I think we're definitely in a, a, a trend in technology where you're seeing a lot more investment and a lot more innovation um, out there that isn't being consolidated. There, If you zoom out even further at the macro level, what you just brought up is a great instance because there actually were far more choices. Lotus, Coral, etc. Word killed all that. Correct. It was consolidated. And then there was a re-proliferation with an expanded value prop. Word actually went through a really interesting phase where you could argue that they deprecated the quality of the product by adding needless complexity. They just kept adding mm -hmm. things beyond the scope, I guess, out of a sense of innovation and SaaS, common sense, et cetera. And it stopped working, but there was another kind of innovation that the market did want. And therefore the proliferation of all of those vendors that you just highlighted right. has really been quite successful. When you think about innovation in this space, it's not just in pure software plays. It's also in the SaaS service hybrid. Mm -hmm. There's been significant movement over the last three or four years with players coming in and looking to consolidate aggregate units with a promise of layering software on top to achieve and unlock unprecedented unprecedented efficiencies that ultimately benefit the end consumer. That's the promise, right? That's the pitch deck. That is the basis and the thesis by which capital is raised. When you see that space and the proliferation of investment that has gone into it, what are your sensibilities about the fundamentals of that thesis and where you, what do you think is likely to shake out over the next couple of years? Yeah, that's that's an interesting conversation, right? Um, you know the the prop tech investment into building. I, I don't know. Would you say it like new platforms to accelerate the the ability to manage um, your own properties or, or manage property management manage, businesses management with a businesses. software function? Yeah, like so I. You know, I could be the you know the legacy player here right now, but but I see it as you know, software is very expensive to build, um, and there's not a clear like technology movement. 
that they're taking advantage of or leveraging that I can see, right? You, when you say, you know, Microsoft stopped innovating and Google came in, you're right. Google used the cloud to let you do collaboration. And that's why everyone went to Google's productivity suite. You know, we're still very much in a, a like riding the waves of, of SaaS. And I don't know what that next technology um, wave is that is going to make them able to build software far cheaply, much cheaper than incumbent property management software players are, or, or how they build it in a way that gives that much efficiency to drive the returns that they're really looking to do. When you have an already robust space of prop tech providers looking to sell really great technology to um, these, these property managers, trying to empower them to to do the same thing, right? Essentially, they're, they're trying to build great prop tech to let property managers run more efficient businesses while you have you know, a property management company building technology to run themselves more efficiently. Um, it just seems like an expensive, uh, an expensive bet um, in technology, unless there's a couple clear areas of leverage and they can take more of the prop tech, tech stack along with it and, and pick up pieces mm. of that to, to be great operators. Because, because there is something to be said that property management isn't known for being the most innovative space in, in the world. Adopting of technology is a little bit slower than other industries. And so um, I do think, though, that there's property managers that are picking up off-the-shelf tech, weaving it together the right way, and having huge leverage in the space. And so... If I was a betting man, I would bet on those types of people rather than having to build your own technology from the ground up. So if I'm hearing where you're communicating, you're saying that the R&D investment, which is substantial, when layered across a much smaller number of, of units, I believe you guys are public about the, the, the number of units yeah. on the platform. What is that number approximately? Uh, 6.5 million. 6.5 million. So the Appfolio R&D budget, all that CapEx is spread over 6.5 million units, mm -hmm. as opposed to in this newer paradigm, it being spread over 100,000, 200,000. I'm being generous because we're not there yet, but let's mm -hmm. imagine mm -hmm. it, I, with the acquisition pace, it, it could certainly get there. It likely will. Those economics are very different. And so obviously the R&D investment has to be smaller, but that doesn't reduce the burden for the level of quality mm -hmm. and finish out, you might argue that there is the ability to edit and delete aspects of the software that are not necessary based on the specific playbook that one operator is running for how they run their processes for the markets they're in. However, as you add more units, you invariably embrace complexity. If you told me that you were managing a million two-story, three-bedroom, 1,500-square-foot blue houses in Austin, Texas, I would say, boy, that seems right for some serious efficiency. Sure. When you tell me you're managing 100,000 units across 20 different states in 170 different municipalities across multiple asset classes, regardless of how much conviction you have about your process, and I'm a process conviction mm -hmm. guy, the inherent surface area, what you're what you're inheriting based on what you're trying to service, 
there's necessarily complexity, which necessarily inflates the R&D. Is that, am, am I putting words in your mouth or is yeah, that part of what you're getting at? That's that's exactly what I'm getting at. And, and like, let's look at some more sophisticated operators that are running REITs and, and whatnot. You know, those large multifamily operators that already have, you know, 40, 50, 60,000 units um, that they own. They're building on top of prop tech, tech that's already exists. Off um, the shelf. Off the shelf. Customize. Customize the way they want it. Maybe a little glue layer, maybe a data lake, you know, maybe maybe some fancy pants stuff on the side, but totally. fundamentally off the shelf. The system, the core system is off the shelf, right? You look at multifamily. Multifamily is a much more established industry um, that, than single family. A lot of that stuff is off the shelf. You, like, make, you make a very good question. That that's a that's a, a point worth asking. What where is Graystar's tech R and D right, budget? Right. And and if some Graystar execs want to go build a great tech product, they're probably going to build the next platform system, not not a platform system for Graystar. That would only benefit them. That would only benefit them. Um, there's just a bigger market for people that want to buy technology than the captive market that you have. Um, and as you said before, this money coming in is competing against everybody. Totally. It's, it is the free market in action. It is the SMB benefiting from the public equity markets, putting money to fund competition that ultimately drives efficiencies for main street. That's beautiful. Totally. But it also means that it's downward pressure on all segments. It's, it's fueling a reversion to the mean and to the baseline, which, which requires a continued R and D investment back. So it does seem like a challenging circumstance. And obviously let's be real. There's some level of bias here. I'm sure. selling a solution where I'm hell bent on equipping small businesses to harvest as much of the technology leverage as they possibly can. What's notable to me is that when I think about what activities, what mindsets, what factors correlate to that outcome, at this point, it's not the tech. The mm -hmm. tech's there. Mm -hmm. The tech is there, ready to be used. It is the will to get your hands dirty. It's the will to embrace a re-architecture and a re-relating to what the work is. Is property management a series of one-off individual tasks that are executed to perform a service? Or is property management a conceptualization and understanding of the nature of the both the customer, of the asset, and of the workflows that result in delivering value mm -hmm. and architecting the rails upon which workflows through the organization? That's what I would argue. Right. If that's the job of property management, and if the upcoming wave of folks coming into the industry are embracing both that vision as well as the practical frontline skills, I'll just use Zapier because I think it's such a great example. Example, Zapier is so obviously so powerful, and yet it is overwhelming. In general, it can be overwhelming, mm -hmm. but it's especially overwhelming if you don't think that's your job. Yep. If you think that your job is is doing property management in a way that doesn't include that, I mean, that would just downright piss somebody off to be told that they need to go start building Zaps. If by contrast, you believe that your job is architecting the way the work is done, that's 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 reasonable. Mm -hmm. That's an ask, that's a conversation, that's an opportunity. It's leveraged to be harvested. So I think part of the conversation we're having here is when we think about the trajectory, when we think about the future, is it more or less likely that the next generation coming in, the next generation leading, the next generation on the front lines is gonna be more minimal to tech? Because right now there's yeah. a lot of folks saying, 
it's not for me. I'm overwhelmed. Right. And the follow-up question is, what does that mean? Does that mean it's not for you? Does that mean that you can't benefit? Or does that mean that you simply have a specialized skill set in your business that you need somebody else to know how to do? And how many other functions of your business does that already exist? Mm -hmm. Matthew, I'm not technical. I can't, I couldn't code my way out of a paper bag. Right. That has no bearing on the level of importance and significance and investment that we make in that function of our business. I'm monologuing now. That's my sensibilities about it. You, you know, I agree. Like if you start talking to larger multifamily operators, a lot of them have a CTO and you're like, what do you need a CTO in a property management company for? Well, you need the right person to put together the right tech stack. And so maybe if you're operating, you know, 500 single family units, you might not need that, that a fancy title, a fancy title, right? But you need someone that can do the job of putting together the right tech stack Roll so, up the you, sleeves. so you can deliver the service. And, and if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on that 500 person boots on the ground company where the owner of the business, that's his life and blood, right? He's worked sweat to make that business happen. They have a lot of leverage in these markets. And, you know, real estate is personal. It's emotional. Local. It's local. There's a lot of value in, and there's a big reason why it's not consolidated very easily or quickly and continues not to. Mm -hmm. So I think you're just going to see a lot more people, you know, especially you, you knock millennials for being lazy. I, I think they just don't like doing work that they know they don't have to if you apply tech. Mm -hmm. um, developers, <laughs> I mean, developers self-ascribe as being some of the laziest people on right. the planet, right? My my co-founder is so deeply allergic to and intolerant of being asked to do manual things when he know it can be automated. I see this, I see, you know, what's going on in his brain when I suggest that, you know, why don't we just control V in a spreadsheet mm -hmm. for 10 minutes? a thousand times and that'll get it done. And immediately, you know, the mind is, is turning. It's, it's the sort of thing that when you see it, you can't unsee it. And the question is how many more people are going to see that that are coming into the workforce right now? I'd bet on that. Yeah. I mean, I already see it in our customer base, even asking for certain pieces of technology to stay competitive in the markets they're in. I think that's a really good sign that technology is going to be a big answer for the future. And I love it when customers are come up with, you know, things like that. They're like, Hey, you know, I, I see these problems. And if we had tech that did this X, Y, and Z, um, we could compete very strategically in our marketplace. And I, I just see that happening more and more. You know, when I joined at Folio, we we spent most of our time getting people from QuickBooks and spreadsheets. I mean, I remember us shipping computers to people for mm. the first time. Mm. Uh, there's a famous picture of our our first VP of customer success installing a printer under a customer's desk. I mean, like we're far away from that as an industry, right? Our biggest challenge early on was how do we get people to to like get an internet connection so they can access our software? That's that's not a challenge anymore. Right now, it, I think it really comes down to. How do we get them adopting the breadth of what we have to offer? And, and how do we get them adopting the other tech in the marketplace that's really going to drive their business forward? I've communicated a couple of times in my newsletter and elsewhere the significance that I feel right now as a result of these marketplaces being opened up. And I think folks might not fully know what I mean. So I want to unpack it a bit more. At face value, it sounds like, oh, there's lead simple integration right now. Handy useful. I'm stoked about it. That doesn't really encompass what I'm getting at. 
what I'm getting at is Appfolio has Appfolio building as a marketplace. Rent manager has a marketplace. I'm, I'm sure others will come alongside eventually. They have opened themselves up in such a way that the metaphor here is a step up. Point solutions by definition are from scratch outside of the system of record. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's a total entity. It's a system of engagement that now can communicate with the system of record, but it was meant to be a standalone really owning and committing to a use case. The enablement and the shift of what's being opened up now is to start with Appfolio, to start with the PMS in a given use case uh, and its baseline functionality, which some customers may feel is unsatisfactory, which is why we have point solutions, but to start there and to build on top. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the MCU, whether it's the self-showing tech, whether it's, it's Lisa, et cetera, that's the change that is driving that commentary on my behalf. So while the integrations that are being done right now look like opening up to these existing vendors and these household names that we know are coming in and can now talk to Appfolio, that's cool, that's interesting. I'm interested in wave two, I'm interested in wave three, and I'm interested how you guys are gonna navigate this in light of the fact that you're so heavily curating. There's some kid somewhere who realizes that if he could build on top of what Appfolio has done, he could actually do something really, really baller. And it mm -hmm. doesn't require a $5,000 check from his local VC. It doesn't have to be bare metal from scratch. It could be accretive. It could be that last 20%, the mm -hmm. missing 20% that caused some customers to want to leave and use point solutions. What do you see there around the potential innovation in that area? And how are you guys going to handle that if you're looking to heavily curate, i.e., how will you make room for newer companies that want to build on top as opposed to the existing companies that have from the ground up point solutions and are looking to come in? Yeah, it's a good question. And like, without doubt, that's where this is going. And you see it in other more mature technology spaces. This is where you're seeing it go. The, the second, third rounds, that's absolutely where it's going in the future. I love you referenced that because this, this metaphor is actually fairly well baked in other places totally. Think about the Salesforce ecosystem, for example. Totally. You, you QuickBooks is another great example of a very robust marketplace and ecosystem. So yeah, that's absolutely where it's going. I, I don't like, I don't see us heavily cur curating. I see us like making sure our launch partners are great companies to go launch with. Um, and then, uh, from there, we'll continue to add people onto you know an existing set of use cases powered by API and integration. Um, as you know, you you mentioned like the the developer in his room thinking about how to build on top of our platform. Um, it, it, that's that is definitely um, something that we have to think deeply about. How do we how do we do that? How do we do it in a way that you don't have, you know, ten thousand hobbyists building, you know, little tools of low value and flooding a marketplace with noise, right? Um, that's you're talking about a Google Play Store, <laughs> right? Right, something that has a lot of low value, um, hard to understand applications, that that uh, you know a customer would have to figure out how all these different things work, with like that true, like person that's onto something and innovating. Um, 
I don't know the answer to that, quite frankly, today, but it's definitely something we're paying attention to carefully. Uh, you know, I, I think like your Zapier integration, I've heard customers talk about doing some pretty like bizarre things with that. And I think that's great because you're giving them a, a playground, right? And some might build some one-off things that work for them, but no one else, but some others might build something that actually has real value. It's a seedbed uh, for product ideas. For yeah. Us, really. It's an innovation playground, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you build out an innovation playground? So you're, you're giving as much, um, much opportunity for innovation to happen. Um, it, it's a good challenging problem that I don't have a clear answer to today, but something we're, we're thinking about for sure. If we're going to sum it up, I would say this, I see more alignment across the marketplace, alignment that benefits the consumer now than at any point in my career. Mm -hmm. This competition, this competition that's driving higher quality results for clients of what they have access to, data portability, it's easy to have these conversations in a way that almost sounds like it's moralizing around like, what vendor can you trust? Who's going to have your back? Is this company going to get bought by PE? And then what's going to happen to my data? What matters is what you can control and what you have access to. Mm -hmm. It's about data portability. It's about access. This shift that I'm seeing is giving people more options for what to do with their data. That is what has me most excited. Sure. And people are gonna express that in a million different ways. Mm -hmm. But knowing that people are not needing to make a bet on that this one vendor is the be all end all or I can trust them, et cetera, those things matter. Of course that stuff matters. But what really matters is that if you change your mind, if you have a different sentiment, if you wanna do something different, if you wanna get in or out of a market or an opportunity, you can because you actually have access to the data that you're putting in the system in the first place. That's the macro level benefit. And I'm loving what you guys are doing because it's fueling a lot of those possibilities. So I'm optimistic. I mm -hmm. think that this space is just going to continue to innovate, innovate and benefit the, the end consumer. So um, I'm optimistic, more yeah. optimistic than I've been in some time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I, the, the customer voice and the amount of dollars going in trying to capture that customer is just, it puts the, custo the our customers in a very loud voice. And Ultimately, that's really good for innovation, right? Um, when, when they get to vote with their dollars. And you're right, like the data accessibility. I, I, I mean, I onboarded customers into our software. I know how big that problem is. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get data out of out of software. And, and you're going to see a lot more of that as these marketplaces take off. And it, it's ultimately, in my view, going to make greater property management companies. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the courage and the the candor of just having a really direct, frank conversation about where things are at. And I'm excited to continue to see what the future looks like and specifically with uh, the partnership between our companies, which between us, for those that are listening, we are, we're leaning in on these, these integrations are, uh, they're the future for, for our business and for the use case enablement that it, it represents. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Great to see you. Jordan here asking you, what do you got? What is a question you want to ask me? Can you stump me? Can you throw me something hard, perplexing, vexing, something you feel tied up in knots with? Throw it at me. 
I'll do my best to try and answer that question, to dissect it, to parse out the nuance and maybe help you get a bit more clarity. I'm looking for questions as the basis for creating content and you're looking for answers as the basis for clarity and wouldn't it be perfect if those two things matched up? Drop a comment, send me, send me an email, jordan at leadsimple.com. Let's stay in the conversation. Peace.